0: You are listening to a Raw Collective podcast. As you may know, I'm a big fan of sauna. I, I use my sauna, I mean, almost most days, I think now. Uh, I use it after a workout or sometimes just in the evenings to help me unwind and um, have a good sweat out. It helps me sleep really well. Anyway, enough about me. I'm super excited that this season of Well and Good is brought to you by Found Found Space are an incredible infrared sauna company. Now, here's the amazing bit these guys are giving away one of their saunas to one of our listeners that's right they're giving away a whole sauna so listen along and find out how you can win in today's episode i sit down and chat with roger frampton Roger is the founder of the Frampton Method, which is a form of flexibility training that he developed after realizing that years of strength training had left him unable to do basic movements like squatting or touching his toes. He's gone deep into the world of stretching, movement, flexibility, posture, and the spine and come away with one fundamental truth. That is that our bodies weren't built to cope with the way that we live our lives today. Sitting at desks all day, lounging on the couch in front of the TV, slouching in front of our smartphones. He discovered that the way we move isn't natural and it's creating all sorts of issues. So, in this episode, it's all about moving well. And that doesn't mean being able to do the splits or anything extreme. It's basically just about functional, efficient movements that are the foundation for caring for our bodies and living better for longer. As he mentions, it's actually quite simple and Roger talks about what we should be aiming for, how to do it and why it's so important and what's really great about his approach is that it's very accessible and easy for anyone regardless of how flexible you already are also a little sweet treat golden ticket roger has offered everyone all of our listeners a free seven-day trial for his online platform so that you can check out his videos and techniques so have a look in the show notes we've put a link down there if you want to take him up on that offer let's hear from the man himself What's the weirdest or most interesting thing that you've ever done for your health?
1: What do you mean for like, for my health? Okay, what about learning to swim? Is that a weird one? <laughs> I mean, is it, is it quite funny when you swim? <laughs> well, no, I, I just I never learned how to swim. And then a couple of years oh. ago, I was like, well, basically, <laughs> it's not like if, if you just drop me at sea, I'm gone. Give me 20 seconds and... And I'm finished. <laughs> so I just, I never learned how to swim when I was a kid, for whatever reason, I can't even remember. So basically I can get from one end of the pool to the other, but it doesn't look pretty. There's a lot of splashing and and uh, it's a bit of a mess. And I find treading water really difficult. So mm. a couple of years ago, right, we were living more in London and there was a pool in the uh, vicinity. I had a coach and I was practicing. And for the first time I learned to Tread water or to float. Wow! I always had the idea that it was to do with my muscle mass, right? And it was more like I was more evolved to be on land than I was in the sea. And I was just like, I've got to let this go. I should really learn to swim. And I was, I was actually making some nice progress with it. And then since we moved, we mm-hmm. haven't got back into it.
0: Get back in the pool, man.
1: Yeah, and it's just, yeah, it's just like the most ridiculous thing because, like, even when I go on holiday. I don't want to go in the sea because it's like, I, I mean, I'm on the edge and that's it, but right? I don't want to go in because <laughs> Ankle deep. I'm not, yeah, I'm not coming back out. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll jump in, no problem. I don't you know, have too much fear, but obviously I've got the fear that, you know, it's the sea, right? It's a big deal. I, if I, you know, or if I fell off a boat, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to survive just for a couple of minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> See, that's, that's yeah. quite interesting, learning to swim so late in your life. I, I guess coming from a perspective of, um, of a New Zealander that you know, we're a pretty small country surrounded by water and it's um, part of our childhood and part of our life, going to the beach, and I guess we just sort of take for granted that we know how to sort of tread water.
1: You were just at the beach from a young age then, right?
0: Yeah, 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 I was. Hmm.
1: Part of growing up. So it's just normal that you just jump in and just learn as you go as opposed yeah. to like going to going to lessons
0: i mean lots of people go to lessons but i grew up rurally and we didn't have access to a pool so i learned by swimming in the river and then yeah and then swimming in the sea
1: awesome
0: i really wanted to have this chat with you because i followed you for a while and then i read your book stretch and it just kind of changed my perception of how important flexibility and mobility is and and it's reevaluated that in my my kind of health regime and what you talk about is so valuable from a health and longevity point of view so I'd love to like delve into a whole bunch of this stuff with you but I think firstly it'd be cool to just take a step back could you explain a bit about how you came to be the flexible man and um, (laughs) because I imagine you didn't you didn't always you know stretch every day you probably went into it as much as you are now like what brought you to this point
1: cool yeah so i guess what got me to like into flexibility is trying a gymnastics an adult gymnastics class and i was probably in like my mid to late 20s and before that you know like most guys i went to the gym i hit the weight section i made sure i always did chest day (laughs) i always did abs day kind to skip leg day like like everyone does and i was like oh, I'm, I, I feel pretty strong i reckon i'm good at gymnastics i walked in there and then just got humbled <laughs> a lot <laughs> i'd never focused on flexibility all right yeah it wasn't really like a second thought for me it, i think i did like a little bit of stretching i can't even remember but nowhere near to obviously the level i do now and then yeah realized how how inflexible i was that's what it all, all really began for me
0: so what is the you talk about the level of flexibility that you have now or the level of stretching that you do now like what is that is that every day how often
1: yeah yeah so it's every day so like really like my main thing is flexibility which it does sound a bit strange to some people to only be stretching but it, it's not just flexibility there's a lot of mobility work i know you've got my second book stretch which is It's just flexibility. My first book, The Flexible Body, had a lot more mobility components, a lot more strength components. And then I kind of became the flexible guy. People kept asking me about flexibility. So then I wrote a book just for flexibility. But personally, I do do a lot of body weight stuff and strength stuff. But I mostly have become the flexibility guy because that's, I guess, it's what most people are missing or... It's kind of like the underlying for most people is the lack of flexibility or, or not even crazy amounts of flexibility. Like I'm not that crazy flexible. I'm just flexible enough to be able to do a lot of the gymnastic elements that you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have that basic level of flexibility. And when I'm talking basic level of flexibility, I'm saying like you should be able to palm the floor and you should be able to sit comfortable in a a resting squat position, but I'm not talking about like, right. You need to be able to do the splits in every direction. Like that's, that's another level of flexibility and it's cool, but it's not essential for life and to stop you getting injured.
0: To palm the floor. I mean, that's quite, that's hard. I don't think I can even do that. And I think, (laughs) and I like to think that I'm like, you know, moderately flexible. I mean, that seems like that's quite hard, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely wouldn't be like, talking about it on a, like if I was to do like an Instagram video, it would always be like, can you touch your toes? Right? That, that's where yeah. you'd start. And there's all different levels. For example, like people think I'm flexible. If I go to a gymnastics class, you're talking, you have to be able to put your head on your toe in a forward. Ball,
0: oh right? God.
1: That's the level we're talking about. So when I'm talking about palming the floor, they look at you confused that you're really inflexible, right? But then yeah. you've got the other scale, which is the 90% of people who don't really stretch or not really into flexibility and to them like being able to touch your toes is being flexible so this all different scales of this so i always i'm saying palm the floor just to be like bang in the middle yeah. of the extreme gymnast and the everyday person who's not really interested in flexibility or just not really implementing it
0: yeah sure so what is the difference between flexibility and mobility
1: that's an awesome question and something that I think should be explained because I feel like people just use it uh, interchangeably. Flexibility is, and you, I know you've got a little bit of a sports science background as yeah. well, right? So flexibility is like your rested position in flexibility. So for example, if I was to try and touch my toes and I was completely relaxed, that would be flexibility. It would be my range rested. So my, my body is relaxed, essentially. If I was standing and I was trying to lift my, my leg, one single straight leg, up towards my head, it would feel like strength, and that would be my mobility. So my ability to use muscle tissue to compress my body in two. A really good test that someone can do is, if, if you were just sat on the floor, if you lifted one leg off the floor, if you put both hands under your knee, and you try to lift your leg off the ground, that would be your flexibility, the highest you can get. If you were to then let go of your leg and try and hold that position, it would suddenly turn into a crazy burning exercise, and you would be trying to hold it there, and that would be your level of mobility.
0: Right. Okay. So you're positioning your body as stretching those muscles as much as you can, and then the mobility is you're using, I guess, those other muscles to then position your body in a way that you're stretching those muscles actively,
1: the opposite muscles. Yeah, exactly. And you'll find, for example, if someone comes from more of a yoga background, for example, they could be really flexible, and they could have all the ability to be able to do a pistol squat, for example, like they could have that full range of flexibility, but they can't move fully through the position up and down comfortably. Whereas on the other hand, you might have someone who goes to the gym a lot, they're really strong, they have the strength to do a pistol squat, but they don't have the range of motion to get all the way down to the bottom. So for them, they would need to be working on ankle flexibility, knee, uh, hip. And for someone who who had done a lot of stretching previously or a child, right? So a child is really flexible, but they're all over the place, right? You know, when you've got kids, you'll see that when they first learn to walk, they're really wobbly. Then they kind of strengthen those positions. Or if you were teaching a kid uh, like a handstand or, you know, something as they got a bit older, they'd be really wobbly in the position, but they could do it. Like They have the flexibility to be able to do it. Mm. So I've come from the other end. I've come from, <laughs> I'm completely inflexible. Like I can't, even if I was to try my best to sit in a squat, like my ankles just don't go there. There's too much tightness in that tissue. So I need to, or I needed to, repetitively work on flexibility to get myself lower in the position or to be able to get there.
0: So is that kind of a common process for most people to work on flexibility first and then move into some mobility work?
1: Yeah, for, you know, I don't really want to kind of uh, say guys and girls, but usually that's how it tends to work out. So guys will tend to go more to the weight section, they tend to do more strength stuff. So therefore, they will end up doing less flexibility. The thing is, is, we tend to do the stuff that we're quite good at. Totally. This is something that's taught to us as kids, you know, you're good at it, you should do it. So girls will tend to be better at flexibility. They are more flexible. Guys are stronger. So when you look at that, you'll see guys will drift to to the the weight section and girls will drift more towards yoga. And if you walk into any yoga class, you'll see 90% is girls. And for them, if I was to throw them some mobility exercises, you would see there would be, you know, it would struggle with that. And the same, I'll get loads of guys in my workshop Know I'm gonna throw in some flexibility stuff and they're gonna struggle with that. So it's it's always like the the background of that person. And it's it's quite interesting to see, you know, what kind of sports they've done. And for me personally, I'm always working on the stuff that I suck at. So as soon as I'm good at something, I kind of stop working on it and then move on to something else. So because that's where you're gonna get the best growth.
0: It's also a hard thing to do, isn't it, to be working on the stuff that you suck at. I'm not that flexible and I find it well, less enjoyable than say doing weights or resistance training. I think because it's more of a mental thing for me. I think that I'm not using my time as best as I can, you know, like if I'm in the gym lifting weights or something, I'm like I'm moving forward, that's progress. So I I can feel my muscles getting having some DOMS and I'm like cool, this is going to make me stronger. And then if I'm like well, this is how I used to think anyway. If I'm, you know, stretching, it's not really doing much. It's just you know it's I'm not moving forward in any in any way it's just something to do to make you know hopefully alleviate pain or
1: okay interesting
0: and so then the thing with um, reading your book has made me just think it is a workout in itself or like it stretching should be a workout in itself and so that's what I've started doing is well I did a couple of like full hour sessions running through your kind of full regime and I honestly like after doing that I felt amazing it wasn't as easy as I thought it was going to be to be honest like I definitely got a sweat up Mm. but afterwards I kind of just felt quite free in my body which was pretty amazing but then now I've found that I don't really have the time to do well at least I'm not prioritizing this time of like a full hour session so I've just been kind of doing 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night and the difference it's made to my... For me, I have a bit of a, like a tight thoracic spine and just my movement and the pain alleviation has been phenomenal, to be honest.
1: That's so good to hear that, that you've been using it and it's been helping and that you feel free from doing it. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, it's, it's great, man. We talked about kids before. Like I love watching my kids move. They are just so fluid in their movements and it's like... It's inspired me to want to be more like them, you know, I've started squatting a lot more down when I'm playing with them because their, their squat is incredible. You know, they, they get their bum on the ground with their feet (laughs) (laughs) as well, um, which I don't think is possible for me, but I'm, I have become far better at squatting. Do you think that that's a level of flexibility and mobility that we could like aim for, and that is actually achievable. Like moving back towards that as flexible as we were as kids, or is it something that naturally as we get older we're just going to, going to become less flexible?
1: I love talking about you know the in, innate movement of children because I've done this in talks before, and I always say to people like, "Who taught you how to move?" And sometimes people say, oh, my parents." Or is this? I don't know why they said. And then I'm like, "But if you think about how a parent moves, and you think about how the child moves." The child is doing movements that the parent is no longer capable of. And even if you were to separate that child from all other children, they're not copying anyone else. It's like purely instinctive movement that that is just completely natural to them. And you'll look at it and you'll be like, oh, wow, that's that's freaking awesome. It always reminds me, and I remember when I started gymnastics and the coach was saying to me, you know, you need to work on your flexibility. You need to get your flexibility back. And he kept using this word. get your flexibility back. And I was like, I don't ever remember me being flexible. But then, you know, when you're looking around, suddenly your eyes are open to the reality of how kids are moving. You're like, whoa, hang on a minute. Like all these kids are flexible. Worldwide, no matter where these kids are from, they're all moving in the same way. Is it realistic that we can get back to that exact movement? Maybe not, but we can do our best. So what I like to do is not, not necessarily um, look at and go, okay, let's get back to that child movement. But I like to refer to more how elderly people are moving, and especially in, in other countries, right? So in China, for example, it's very common that you'll go outside and you'll see people who are 80 plus moving phenomenally in the parks. You know, it's their national sport. They're amazingly flexible, very fluid in their movement. So, If anyone says to me, you know, well, it's unrealistic. You know, children have different bones and da, 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 da. I'm like, well, okay, well, let's look at some adult ideas. Let's look around the world and say, well, okay, in this culture, you know, in the Western world, we're putting people in care homes and bungalows as they get older. But if we look, it doesn't have to be that way. There are cultures where people are moving amazingly. See 80-year-olds moving better in China and teenagers over here I've had teenagers come to my classes and their flexibility is terrible obviously from you know <laughs> instagram and social media and you know staring at laptops and all of that but for me it's obvious when you start to look at how other people are doing it and how other cultures are living so it doesn't matter which way you look at it whether you want to look back and go this is how we used to move and this is how we move naturally or we look up and we go this is how we can be moving as we get older. Whichever way you look, I always look for like the possibility, even if it's only you know, the 5% in the world who are moving like this. That's who I'm looking towards. I'm definitely not looking at the 90%. And you know, what most people are doing, I'm looking at what can be possible. And I always want to try and be like the best example of that.
0: Mm. Why is it so important to move well and be flexible as we age? Are there any correlations between that and longevity and health span and things like that?
1: Yeah, so as we get older, we naturally lose flexibility. And then you can go dot, 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 unless you do something about it. But that's always like the way the sentence is going to end. It's like, as we get older, we get weaker. As we get older, we get tighter, dot, 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 unless we do the opposite, unless we oppose it. And that's such a big sentence. What that's saying is, if you don't, then you will continue down that path of slowly over time getting weaker or slowly over time getting more and more inflexible and you can see this i mean i live outside london i live in gloucestershire and i live in an area where a lot of people are you know retired they come out here so i'm surrounded by a lot of elderly people but i kind of like it it reminds me every day of what i do and because i see a lot of elderly people you know struggling with their mobility struggling with their movement which reminds me of to you know keep on doing what i'm doing not in a way where i'm like oh my god look at these people but it's just like that's the reality so it's important to do it if if you want to live in the best way that you can within the movement of your body uh, as you get older you have that option like you don't have to you could just not stretch and you know as you get older your body will get you know naturally a little bit tighter every day. And, and, and that's fine if, if you want to choose that path. But like for me, it's like we're living longer than we've ever lived. So we've got more and more chance of being living in our 80s and 90s than any previous generation. So why not do some stuff now? And I'm always basing it on you know, a few minutes every day or 10 minutes every day or whatever to make sure that you make the most of that time as you get older. And because you can. <laughs> it's, it's really a it's like you can do it so you might as well but it, was, it will only be those that put in the time that will get the rewards
0: I mean that's so true I think a lot of us just resign to this thought that oh we're not flexible and we never will be and it's not something that you can train but you totally can also to your points about you know as we age it makes so much sense doesn't it you know that say you become less flexible you then can't move your body in that range of motion you lose strength and then that's what then limits your movement and so you stop walking and you stop doing these things and you become sedentary and then it's a pretty quick downward trajectory in terms of your health from immobility really isn't it
1: i think there's an age i can't remember the exact age but i think it's roughly from the age of 30 onwards and i think it was like 10 percent per decade um, that you start to lose I don't want to be like 100% and I'll, I'll send you some better numbers on that. But like as you get older, and then it was always, you know, whenever you're looking at the science, there's always that, unless you do something to oppose it through studies, this is what is going to happen to you as you get older. You know, you're right in what you say. As you become tighter, then it can be harder to get into flexibility because you feel so behind because you were like, oh, this is going to take you know such a big effort to get myself flexible. And I guess the more, you know, as you become more and more sedentary, then it obviously then it gets harder and harder and harder. Because then you're losing more and more movement and you have, you know, less access to your body to do something about it. So the best time to start is now. If
0: someone came to you and said, you know, I want to get more flexible, obviously it's dependent on the person because like you said, if they're already very flexible, but they want to get more mobile or say they're inflexible because they're muscle bound, but as a like, you know, broad brushstrokes, you know, what would you say to someone that wanted to get more flexible and more mobile?
1: Okay. Number one, I would say consistency beats intensity. You wouldn't not brush your teeth for a month and then brush your teeth for an hour. It doesn't work like that. You get plaque every day in your teeth and you need to constantly take care of that. And we're taught that from a very young age, right? The same with tissue in your body. If you don't stretch this tissue, this tissue starts to get tighter. You have to do this or try to get into the, the habit as soon as possible to be doing it every day. Now, does that mean an hour a day? Absolutely not. Why do I always say to people, start on 10 minutes a day or you know what you're doing, the seven minutes a day. The more frequent you can make it, Two things. Number one, it will become a habit. And hopefully, then you will want to up your time. If ever, maybe you just want to stick at that 10 minutes and that be realistic. Sometimes I have people come to me, right? And they, they really want to get into stretching. And they're like, How much can you do per day? And they're like, oh, I can do an hour, right? I know within 20 days, I'm going to get an email saying, Hey, you know, I haven't been doing it, dot, 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 because it's impossible to maintain. So I always say to people, Listen, if you were to do this every day for a year, What would be realistic and what you would put into this per day? And then that's where that 10 minutes comes from. Because people go, I guess I could do 10 minutes. And then you go, okay, well, how do I break that down? Okay, five exercises, two minutes each is a really good way to start. It doesn't really matter too much on the exercises. I mean, I know like a a million different exercises or stretches, because you'll find you'll get bored of them and then you want to add add others in and you can throw one out and you can bring another one in. You could say like one minute of hanging, all right? Or, you know, one minute of touching your toes or stuff that we've already spoke about. One minute of sitting in a squat. You can break this down in various different ways. But the most important part is the consistency factor. Even if that was to say, look, do it Monday to Friday, even 10 minutes a day for five days a week. I mean, that's going to be better than not doing it at all. So you know, I don't really mind where people start or like where the entry point is. It's just do something that you know that you can stick to because then you can, you can always add on later.
0: So you mentioned a couple of times that you kind of said stretching for one minute, also stretching for two minutes. Is it kind of like more is better? Like, is there an amount of time that is the ideal for like stretching out the tissues? Um, like, is there an intensity that is ideal? Like, what is it?
1: Essentially, for 99% of people, it doesn't matter. <laughs> and I don't mean that by like, oh, it doesn't matter. What I mean is you usually find the people that are asking, like, well, but what's the perfect time? Are usually the ones that aren't doing it. That makes a difference. Okay, and I'll give an analogy in what I mean. Right? If you're looking at running technique, we're looking at like, if you were like a professional runner, Right? Then you would be looking at the, the breakdown, how long my stride is. Is, is my foot facing forwards? Uh, what point do I rise up? Where's my eyes looking? Right? But someone who's just going to go out every day and have a run because it's good you know, for your heart and for cardio and something that you know you need to do, that's two kind of separate conversations. right? So yes, there are all like scientific numbers and different theories, but whichever theory that you follow. For example, I've done like yin yoga. And you, you're sitting in those positions between five and eight minutes. And that's a single stretch. And I've done gymnastics and you're doing more ballistic stretching and it's three seconds. So you are just pulsing and kicking. I've done like power yoga when I'm moving quite quickly between the positions. There's so many different like ideas and theories, but the person who's doing any one of them and the person who's like always trying to, you know, oh, which, which one is it? Which one's the best way? The person who's trying all of them is going to win. And the 10 minutes is just to make it easy and simple. And it's, it's just like a, a round number. So whether it's whether it's that one or two minutes, so for example, like hanging, it's always like a minute hang or a minute trying to touch your toes. As I did in yoga, so I got into like longer style stretching. That theory is more based on fascia and the tissue and being able to get into deeper tissue. And that's why they go for, uh, longer periods of time because they do longer stretches. And I do that if I'm doing like a more relaxed stretch workout. Two minutes is something I've got from gymnastics where you're just holding a stretch for two minutes. But then also, I've been to gymnastics classes where they're doing 20 second stretches or one minute stretches. I mean, there's so many different ways. I, I wouldn't want to go like this is the best way. And I'm changing. Like today I, was, I did some dynamic stretching and I also do, did some relaxed stretching. A couple of days ago I, was, I wanted to really relax and so I did some long sitting in stretches and really working into specific areas.
0: Sorry, just cutting in here. I'm just going to share a little quick message from our sponsor Found Space and also fill you in on how you can win that sauna. Now as a listener of Well and Good, you're probably someone who prioritizes your health and well-being. Well, have you ever tried an infrared sauna before, or have you even considered having one in your own home? I have a sauna at my place, and it's been the best investment in my health. I seriously think it has been. Now, since 2008, Space has installed thousands of state-of-the-art low-EMF infrared saunas across Australia, and they now deliver and install anywhere in New Zealand. An infrared sauna is such a powerful health tool because it addresses multiple fundamental areas of your health in one session. They help you to de-stress and sleep well, manage your weight, find relief from chronic pain, and recover efficiently from workouts, plus heaps more. And they don't just sell you a sauna. The Found Space Sauna specialists are ready to chat about your health challenges and goals, help you find the perfect sauna for your home, and then integrate it into your routine to get the best results. To enter the chance to win your very own Found Space Sauna, just hit the link in the show notes. The show notes can be found in the description of this podcast, on whatever app you're listening to this podcast on. So go on, get entering. The competition is only open to New Zealand residents and entries close 31st of October, 2022. Now, back to the chat. What about working on flexibility and mobility? Like, is it, you know, if you've got 10 minutes a day and you want to become more flexible and more mobile, should you be doing mostly just stretches or should you then also... Try and work on some mobility stuff too. Like, for example, for me, with my, I'm going to go back to my thoracic spine. I would do some stretches where I'd be, you know, on the ground doing these kind of reaching around behind myself, twisting. So that was my stretching component. And then a bit of mobility would be then holding on to a, a bit of wood about shoulder width apart and then, you know, sitting up and rotating around either side as far as I could go. How important do you think it is to do stretching and mobility for things?
1: Okay, well, I've, I've seen some of your stuff. It's awesome. I saw you hanging off a, a bus stop today. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, that was really cool. <laughs> Thanks.
0: Yeah, that's dad life for you.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, but that's great. And I always say, lead by example. And you're at the bus stop, you're there with your kids, and they're seeing dad doing pull ups and on the bus stop. And that's exactly how it should be. You're, you know, that you're a leader to them. They're going to see that. And hopefully, you know, that's going to encourage them to, you know, do more movement or sport or, you know, whatever it is. So it's fantastic. So one of the good things is, is mobility will improve flexibility. Okay. So for example, if I'm standing up and I am lifting one leg up towards my head, so imagine I'm standing straight. I've got one leg out in front of me and I'm lifting it up okay so it's going to feel like more strength in my thigh for example i'm trying to keep my leg straight um that is automatically stretching the back of my leg although the exercise is going to feel mobility it's going to feel like strength if you were to do it for a minute you would like be like oh my god my thigh is cramping it's burning but you will have been improving your flexibility without stretching yeah gotcha you you can test this by the way and just please don't take my word for it Try and touch your toes relaxed, then do a mobility on each leg. So, standing, lifting one leg each side, really squeeze the thigh, that would get opposition to the hamstring. And then go back, try and touch your toes again, and you'll see a difference in flexibility.
0: Oh, that's so cool.
1: And so, for example, hanging, again, if you were hanging and you had your feet off the floor, for some people, it's going to, their wrists are gonna be, you know, their hands are gonna be hurting, their forearms are gonna be burning. If you were to do a shoulder flexibility test, you were to hang for 60 seconds or whatever you could hang for and then go back to a shoulder flexibility test, you would have noticed an improvement. So mobility will help to improve flexibility. It's not that one will help the other. Flexibility won't help to improve mobility because you are completely relaxed. It will help to improve range of motion, which then you'll get further within your mobility. Yeah.
0: Hanging's great. I do like hanging. That's something I always do. Usually at the end of a workout, I'll just hang for as long as I can. It usually feels really nice. If you're trying to fit in some stretching and mobility work, like you could either do it... I do it in the morning and then in the evening again, just before I go to bed. Sometimes I don't do it in the morning. It depends if my kids are going to let me, but I'll always do a bit after I do a workout. Are there any times of the day that are better than others? Like, is it good to do it when your body is warm after a workout or anything like that?
1: Whatever time is going to be, you know, the best time for you. Like lately, I'm really into stretching in the evening. I literally trained just before this call, like 7, 8 PM lately. In the morning, I like to do other stuff, get back to emails or whatever that is. But in other times, it's been afternoon because I like going to, to the park and then training in the park. And But now it would be like 27 degrees and it'd be uncomfortable or whatever, right? which is quite rare, right? Um, or, you know, other times I've just, you know, wanted to train, you know, first thing in the morning after an hour or so. So this is not really a perfect time. But if you're mixing it with strength work, mostly
0: yeah
1: yeah definitely if you're doing flexibility recommendation is always to do your flexibility after because flexibility although it will improve your range of motion it will relax you so you'll find that after you've been in the stretch and you'll probably get a reduction in say testosterone like if you are like pumped to do Mm. uh, some training the last thing you want is just like (laughs) <laughs> you, you ought to be like, right? you, but then it's dependent right so if, for example if I'm working on like I'm working on a, a handstand for example and I'm like in a handstand sometimes I'll do stretching in between which will improve the position of my handstand because my shoulders are feeling tight so I'll do some shoulder stretching in between yes it's flexibility and shouldn't really be combined with like mobility work but you'll find then I go back to the handstand and I can get a better position. Like My body's in a, in a better line. My shoulders are a bit more open. So sometimes I mix it depending on uh, what I'm working on. But if you're going to do just, say, relaxed flexibility, then I would do like your strength training. And then I would do your flexibility after. What mm. other stuff are you doing for your um, strength training? Because I've, I've seen you do like lots of stuff. I've seen you do like banded stuff, push-up stuff. Uh, so you were doing a squat, a squat challenge.
0: Yeah, that squat challenge was, um, what was that? I don't know if I'm going to complete that one. <laughs> so I'm trying to do, seeing if I can do uh, basically as many reps of a hundred kilogram squats as I can. And I'll tell you why, actually, I went to the, my local butcher and the guy working in the butcher shop was telling me how he used to, um, I don't know if he's a bodybuilder, but he was a very, uh, strong guy. He's since stopped, but he was telling me that one of the workouts that he always tried to achieve was to do 100 reps of 100 kg squats. And so I was like, right, I'm going to give that a go too. So yeah, I tried. I, I got 50 reps, and uh, and that was what I can get to at the moment, which is which is great, but I just thought, you know, why not see how many I can do? I love, I love to give myself challenges. So yeah, you see me doing lots of different things. I, I really like to vary it up, mix it up, keep my body kind of in a, in a spot where it's not too specialized for any one thing. I kind of, I like to think that I'll be able to turn my hand at any sort of type of exercise and movement. And I could sign up for a, a half marathon next week. And then at the same time, I could have a go at like a CrossFit competition. Not that I, not that I do CrossFit, but you know, that kind of thing. I like to think that I could, um, I'm fit all round.
1: This is what I go for. That's awesome. And then with, with the squat, so for example, like, how long have you been doing like, that challenge?
0: I've done it twice.
1: All <laughs> oh, right, all right. Okay. I didn't know if it had been more over a longer length of time. I was just, I was just more interested in what the, because you'll find as you do different challenges, you'll notice different effects on the body, right? Mm. So I was more interested to see what adaptions do you see in your body as you are working up to 100, as opposed to doing, you know, a set of, Eight repetitions, which is where you kinda of almost max out. Mm. So it's just more interesting to see what the physical differences are or, or what the sensation is there.
0: Yeah, totally. I mean, I think it'd be interesting because I think different muscles will fatigue at different rates. So, for example, like you said, if you're doing eight reps of a, a heavier weight, you will be probably fatiguing your main muscle groups. Whereas if you're doing a a lower weight over a longer period of time, doing more reps, I feel like my smaller sort of stabilizing muscles will get fatigued, whereas they wouldn't get fatigued in the shorter bouts. And I think I noticed that in my lower back, actually. And so when I did the 50 reps after I did that, it wasn't wasn't painful, but I did notice it was almost like a DOMS and some uh, lower back muscles that I didn't really, I hadn't experienced before.
1: Yeah, that's cool. That's Mm. cool. I love those differences where you just change the dosage, right? And then suddenly something different happens. You're like, oh, actually, body needs that just to mix it up a little bit and throw something else it, its way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Like for me, it's like for the mind as well. Because I find like if, if I'm doing the same workouts over and over and over, I just get bored. So mixing it up for me is, is more about my like the mental side of things too, just to um, keep it exciting and just make it different.
1: Oh, uh, you'd, you'd hate my workout, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, run me through yours. <laughs> no, I was going to say, because I've been doing that. I feel like I've been doing the same thing for the last decade. <laughs> not, the, not the same exercises, but it can really feel like I have been doing this for ages. <laughs> but that's a flexibility thing, right? So, for example, like, if you're training flexibility, you are stretching like tendons and ligaments, not in a painful way, but over Mm -hmm. time you're literally changing the state of of those. And that process can't happen fast. It takes a long time for that to happen, which is why a lot of people are are put off with flexibility work. So for example, when when I used to do like weight stuff, I'd just go into a gym and then I'd do like bench press. And then like a couple of days later, I could lift more. And then a couple of days, I can lift more. And you can see, you can start to see, you know, you see progress. And because you see that progress, it encourages you to go back because you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting better. And then you can see the physical differences that are happening through that. And then also with like running. For example, there's one time I already got into running. And then the next, you know, even the next day, I could run further. I wasn't out of breath or, or I, I completed that time quicker. Like with flexibility, you don't get any. Like it literally, you, you turn up one day, you do it you finish you go the next day you're back to exactly the same spot and then you finish and then it, this goes on and this can go on for ages and then suddenly you get one day which i call a breakthrough day where suddenly you get this breakthrough moment and it and it changes that, that's why people are so put off with flexibility because you it's like you're waiting for ages for this moment and you're like this that point where you're like oh do you know what this is it's not working. I'm not supposed to be flexible. This is not happening. But suddenly it's like, bang. And then I always say that those that are disciplined enough to just stick it out. And that's why it's important to measure it and really, you know, test it. And then one day you'll get this breakthrough. And then you're like, yes, I've got this breakthrough. And then, you know, then you go back into that same cycle of nothing, 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 <laughs> nothing, <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a very different style of training.
0: And so you talked about like measuring these Mm. changes and stuff like that. Are there there any like specific ways that people can measure their flexibility or are there some milestones that people should aim for? Like you mentioned getting palms on the ground. I think that's a great one. Are there any others?
1: Yeah, I might, I might kind of revert back on the palms of the ground. Let's, let's go for touching your toes. No, no, then, that's it. I'm, I'm doing palms on the ground. <laughs> All right, for you, it's palms on the ground. For anyone else listening, it's just touching your toes. Okay. <laughs> and if you can touch your toes, then it's palms on the ground. That's fair. Um, yeah, like measure measure everything. Measure everything. The first thing you should focus on is that when you get in the stretch, just say you're more well, we'll sick with touching your toes just because it's a simple one that most people uh, understand or are working towards. So you put your feet together your legs are straight you're folding down and you're trying to touch your toes there's going to be a distance between your fingertips and the floor you want to measure that distance you can do that using a book you can do that using a yoga block you can do that using a measuring tape if you want to be exact but choose an object where you can just touch and you can have your legs fully straight take a picture of yourself doing that or write it down and then come back to that a month later like don't come back to that every day because you're not going to see too much difference But just have that in mind, like, okay, that was my starting position. And then you're doing your 10 minutes every day or, you know, whatever time it is that you're doing or your 10 minutes five times a week. And then, you know, come back to that and go, "Uh aha, there's progress. But, But definitely measure it because you'll find that the changes, you know, can be small, but it's, you get that self evidence that it's working. And that is, it's so important because if you don't get that, then it's just like, then it will feel hopeless pointless and like there's not it's not even worth doing because i'll speak to people and they're like i haven't made any progress and i'm like okay did you measure it they're like no i'm like okay how, how are we supposed to know we need something right we need okay this is where i started even if it's a visual reference even if it's a photograph because your brain will play tricks on you and go like you know i've had times i'm, like, I'm definitely not progressing and then i look back at a video i video of my training all the time not just for instagram but for like so i could see back And I look back at a video of me doing the same exercise and I'm like, oh, yeah, I've definitely progressed. Like, I can see it. But my brain is like, no, no, no. Like, this is, you know, you're not getting anywhere. So, yeah, measure everything. So if you're trying to touch your toes, legs straight, feet together, fold down, relax your upper body. The distance between your fingertips on the floor is that two books, is that three books. doesn't matter where you start, but just have something, measure it. 30 days later, come back and, and test it. You could do the same thing with like, just say you, you're working on, on a squat. How low can I get towards the floor? Again, measure that. What's the distance between your body and the floor?
0: Is that like keeping your heels on the floor as well?
1: There's different ways to do it. Like I always teach it from keeping the heels down and then you'll go, you're basically, you're working as low as you can. And which will feel for most people, much more strength-based. You're going to feel some burning in the thighs as you lower down into that position, especially if you're stuck about, Anything above halfway, above like 90 degrees, is going to burn. <laughs> as soon as you get past that 90-degree part, that burn will start to go. Well, it will start to move to more like shins. But at first, it's just fires until you can get past that 90-degree. And the, the, the squat is just such an amazing uh, exercise position to discuss and talk about. It's, it's like every time I post anything about the squat, it's so just fascinating because it's just so so controversial is it why is it controversial it's because it's, it's just for everyone it means something different right so for example if you're born in like eastern europe or asia right it's just a common practice it's just like why are you even talking about this thing there's even like a youtube video when they're asking people why you're sitting in a squat and they just go is that what it's called i just do this when i'm tired from resting like it, there's not even a word, right? They yeah. just, they just, and they look at people in Western world, like, and they would just giggle that you can't get your heels down. They're like looking at you, like, <laughs> what? I didn't believe that was even an issue. And then you've got the other side of it, which is over here, Western world, it's like an embarrassing thing. It's the position that you are evolved to defecate in, mm-hmm. right? So people see you sitting in a squat, and it's like it's embarrassing. Or the term squat is like, oh, are you doing an up and down? And you're like, no, yeah, no, totally. I'm, just, I'm just sitting here. And they're like, what is that? Is that an exercise? Or, That's why it just brings up so much debate and talk that it's, it's always a good thing to speak about.
0: And why do you think it's
1: important that we can achieve that deep squat? I mean, really, like the ability to squat is just like I'm tired from standing. But you know, we invented a chair, and that's what you do if you're tired from standing. So the difference is, is that you don't fully relax your back. Well, there's a couple of differences. Is if you sat on a chair, you're, you're sat on something. There is something in contact with your ass. If you're sat in a squat, your ass never touches the floor. So it's really hygienic. Like your ass isn't just not on the floor. There is no pressure against muscle tissue. Right? If you're sat on your bum all day, I did a post about it today. So like your bum goes numb. Uh, you get what's called like inactive glutes. Yeah, you get digestion issues from repetitively sitting on this tissue. And now why would you put pressure uh, on your tissue, on this tissue all day if that wasn't necessary? So it's quite interesting because so, instead of like sitting in a squat, we replaced it with you know a man-made tool called a chair. But now that really fits into our modern society, right? Because now, especially with technology, you're on a laptop, you're in an office. Everyone's going to sit on a chair. It's just a given, right? And now it's good. Some people are more, you know, doing standing up desks or varying, you know, how they spend time at a laptop. Like right now, I'm, I'm sat on the floor. But like for me, I've, it's been interesting for, you know, loads of people that I've taught, that have learned it. They've talked about, you know, freeing up pain in their lower back, being able to relax their hips, being able to open their hips, being able to improve their ankle flexibility. I've seen the like just a ton of benefits myself from doing it. I find if I don't do it for a bit, I start to lose it again. It's something that needs doing, and, and you'll find there's not there's not many opportunities to actually do it unless you're going to do it instead of sitting. So a good thing is like if you know if you watch TV, you know spend a little bit of time sitting in a squat, like in, instead of sitting on a chair, like it doesn't have to be seen as a, an exercise. You know, if you're waiting for a bus, do it. And it doesn't have to be heels down. If you can't get your heels down at first, I only teach it heels down because you can just put a little bit of pressure on the knee joint. As long as you're not feeling knee pain, then it's, you know, it's fine to have your heel off the ground. But if that starts to aggravate the knee, then I would rest the heel on something. And you can do that by even placing a couple of books uh, underneath the heel or a little bit of a wedge. And that actually be, it's easier to sit in a squat position. You even get like, um, athletes, even in CrossFit, they have like shoes with a heel in, right? Yep. For squatting, because it means you can get better depth. Oh, okay. So you get around the ankle mobility. Yeah. Mm. So you can actually, you can get into a, a lower position.
0: Okay. So say you're doing squats like that. So then with those like heel wedges, because I, I, I always see them and I've never actually used a pair of those shoes and I, cause I kind of just thought, I feel like that's cheating. Like, is it cheating or is it, um, I mean, not cheating, you're only cheating yourself, but like, would it be like, you'd start by wearing a pair of those shoes and then try and work towards more of a flat foot, barefoot shoe for your squats?
1: Yeah. I mean, definitely I would, cause I'm more talking about being able to sit in the position. It doesn't really matter too much if the pelvis is tucked under and I'm more in like a rounded back position. It doesn't really matter too much in a rested squat position with no added uh, external weight. You even see some people sit in, in a squat position and their back is really flat. Mm. Other people sit in a squat position and the back is really rounded. Depending on the position of the pelvis, some people their pelvis is tucked under. You'll see even kids, they can literally, as you said earlier, they can put their butt on the ground. Yeah. So to do that, your pelvis has to really tuck under, has to really roll underneath, so almost like your butt's under you as opposed to uh, behind you. So when we're talking about CrossFit, you're talking about adding external resistance they're always going for like a flat back position because they are using load. So the wedge will allow you to get lower before what they call the butt wink will occur. Mm. You heard that term before. I have. Where they're talking about the pelvis anteriorly uh, tilting underneath. Mm -hmm. But personally, if I was doing that, I wouldn't be wearing wedges. I would only work to the lowest depth that I can without shoes. I'd only work to the position that I can keep my lower back flat or my pelvis in a different position.
0: You talked just then about sitting and I know you did a TED talk on why sitting destroys you. <laughs> so you hate sitting. <laughs> what? Um, and you'll notice I'm standing right now because I, I thought, right, I'm going to it. About, I'm gonna talk to Roger today. I don't want, I don't want him to judge me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I, pro- I promise whatever you were doing today, I wouldn't be judging. How, how is it? Is this is this your first time standing for a podcast?
0: I often stand up. Like I stand up to do meetings and I stand up to do podcasts. I, I sit down as well, but my brain works better when I'm standing up. And I do find that sitting down, I'm definitely more prone to round my shoulders and have poor posture in my upper body. Another thing uh, that I have with with sitting is that I I feel like I have underactive glutes and I wonder like, is that because I've been sitting for like my whole life, you know? That's how I feel about sitting.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I was saying earlier, it's about dosages, right? When I say like sitting down destroys you. If you're sitting down, you know, for a little bit of time every day, that's fine. However, when sitting starts to become a, and you know, I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to sit to eat breakfast, I'm going to drive to work or sit on the train to work, I'm going to sit at work all day and any break I get, I'm going to be sitting down for food and then I get home in the evening and I start watching TV sitting down. Then you're talking about, you know, we've got way more than half your day, you're sitting. And mm. then it starts getting a problem. So it's not sitting is bad, right? It's fine if, you know, if you look at like ev- evolutionary times, that they, you know, they sat around on stools and and stuff like that and maybe a little bit lower to the ground. But humans are evolved to move. You know, you got two kids, right? Mm, you got two perfect examples of how humans are naturally they don't really stop for long periods of time they are constantly they're like constantly the things that make us stop and the things that make us sit down for long periods of time generally technology travel like whether it's a car or train or a plane the rise in technology is really you can see the shift between how technology came about and how Uh, sitting down became more prominent you know for long periods of time for most people who have you know an office job where they are sitting down for long periods of time that's the reality of the situation and the effect of that is the problem it's the repetition and you'll start to see the same I guess issues you know come up in people that sit down a lot which is postural stuff. Because if I'm sitting a lot, I'm probably going to be leaning back in my chair, or I'm going to be probably in a position where my spine's a little bit rounded, my shoulders is going to drop forward, my head is going to fall forward, that you're going to get this whole chain reaction in the body of this repetitive sitting. So uh, I personally, I don't really sit for long periods of time. I do sit down, I don't believe like sitting down is you know, evil. It's just, it's just the amount of time. It's just, and it's insane. If you think about this is a body and this is, you know, we're evolved to use our bodies to, you know, climb and to forage. And right? I know you've got some, uh, you're growing your own food, right?
0: My veggie garden. Yep.
1: Yeah. I love that. It's living the dream. And, you know, that's where humans are. We, we use this body and, you know, but life has changed and it's become about more, internet based and you know i dread to think the metaverse and and what that brings about where you suddenly disappear into a different world as though this one isn't good enough feels crazy to me but it's a little terrifying huh yeah and the more you go into that it's just then it's like the more, the more you get further and further away from the body and like for me it's just like that's that's the essence
0: like you said our lives do revolve around the internet and Screens and stuff. Inevitably, like we're going to be sitting down at times. Are there ways in which you can sit down that are better than others? You know, can we mitigate some of these negative effects of sitting while still sitting?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to approach it. You can either look at, okay, what can I do differently instead of sitting, and then you've also got to look at, well, what am I going to do outside of that to, as you said, mitigate to reverse some of that limitation that's going to occur. Standing desks are becoming more popular. I always say, like, the best thing you can be doing is adding variety. So, like, since I did this TED Talk, right, I had so many companies approach me from, like, standing desk. And they're like, will you be our standing desk guy? And I was like, no, because that's not what I believe. I don't believe stop sitting, start standing. Standing is great because if you've got sitting and standing, now you've got two options and you can move between the two. But if you were to stand all day, you know, you're going to get different issues and from repetitively standing. And, you know, there's been research on that. So we as a species are evolved to move. You want to sit in as many different positions as possible when you're sitting. So if you you do have the option to stand, spend some time standing. If you do have some option to sit, sit in as many different uh, variables as possible as opposed to one position. Don't get glued to this singular position that you always find yourself in, whether that's leaning backwards uh, so, or, you know, leaning forwards, like add variety. So I always like put my foot on my thigh, on my opposite thigh, so I'm getting like a little bit of a hip stretch, like when I'm sitting. There's just different ways that you can try to mix up your stretching. Uh, for people that are working from home, you know, you have got a whole world of variety. You can literally sit on the floor in, you know, over 50 or 60 different positions that someone in the office is not going to have the benefit of. So <laughs> I'm sat on the floor now chatting to you. I've probably moved between seven or eight different positions. Like while we're on the call, uh, sometimes I will sit with one leg, one foot underneath me and like a half butterfly. Sometimes I'm in a half squat. Sometimes I'm uh, sitting on my ankles. Uh, sometimes I'm cross-legged. So I just constantly change between between all of them as I'm on my laptop. And then I'll sit at a desk. I'll spend some time there. Then I'll do some standing Then I'll walk around a bit. This for me. It's just it's just constant variety. I know a lot of people obviously don't have that option. If you're you know working at an office, you don't want to be the one person in the corner sitting on the ground, right? And I'm never going to ask someone to do that, right? <laughs> Unless they you really want to. Like if you've got the standing desk, amazing. You add that in as and just see that as a little bit more variety that you can get in. If you are sitting down all day, you know when you go for lunch, don't you know, sit down again, or when you get home, you know, don't sit down again, or which one of those can you get rid of? Especially the one is going to be the easiest to get rid of is that, you know, sitting down in the evening. If you are spending any time like watching TV, uh, stuff like that, try to sit on the floor, try to sit in different stretches. But, you know, as you said, this is what it is these days. And it's uh, the crossover between technology and sitting. is. It's almost like technology has been designed around, sitting right you because you wouldn't it feels weird to sit on the floor and have a laptop right you feel like you need the desk right it all kind of seems to fit technology doesn't really fit with movement you know as we're having this conversation here we are having to be static
0: so we're about to um i don't want to hold you up too much longer than this roger but i did want to ask you do you have any podcasts that you can recommend that you listen to or any books that have kind of, I guess, like shaped your outlook on things and uh, from a health perspective?
1: Definitely. Well, you asked me a question earlier and you're talking about what's the perfect amount of time to be in a stretch. And so there was a guy I was listening to just a couple of weeks ago. It's called Huberman Lab. Um,
0: have
1: Have you heard of that?
0: Yeah. Dr. Andrew Huberman. Yeah. He's got a great podcast.
1: Yeah. So that would probably be A question where he's going to go off on right because of his uh, education within science etc but he was talking about some really interesting stuff a few podcasts ago he's talking about stretching uh, the benefits of stretching he's even going as far as to say has the ability to shrink tumors basically you have different pain receptors people that stretch more often your ability to deal with pain and not just on a bodily level, but on an emotional level. And that, I've, when I was listening, I was just like, absolutely bang on. Because basically, when, you, when you're learning to stretch, you spoke earlier about trying to touch your toes, right? Now, everyone thinks, right, when you, when you go into that stretch, and as you improve, that you're actually, your muscles are getting longer. One theory kind of says that's not what happens at all. Your muscles will never get longer. What actually happens is your body, you will put it through pain every day and then eventually it lets go. So your body gets adapts to pain, and so you just get better at dealing with pain. so you're not actually lengthening tissue. there's little bits of lengthening happening, and you know I said earlier, you're changing slightly the uh, ligaments, tendons and, and the structure, but a lot of it is about neurons and about you know you're teaching your body to relax into the position and being comfortable with pain and there's been a crossover between how people who stretch more often how they deal with emotional pain and things that happen uh, in their life because they're essentially have been practicing for that he, his study was more on people that have been doing uh, yoga and more yeah more flexibility in that way so i would say yeah if, if you're interested, have, have a listen. Like, I'm not too into, like, the science part of it. I taught myself how to move, right? I know instinctively my, my own body. I don't really, you know, want to go so much into, like, oh, but this, move, this moves this joint, and this moves this joint. It's just, I don't know. It's never, it's that bit's never fascinated me. What fascinates me is the, the innateness of it, the naturalness of it. When you see a kid just doing all these movements that can't speak words, that's what I love about it—the sensation side of it, the feeling side of it. I think you'd love it. Brother.
0: Yeah, I think I would too. I'll, I'll track that one down, and we'll we'll put that one in the show notes as well. I also like what you said then about how you—you know—you kind of don't like digging too deep into the science of some of the stuff. And I definitely know what you're talking about there because I find that if I sometimes if I know too much about the science of some things, or if I get too bogged down by the science of things, I do forget to just see how I feel and to rely on my body's natural feedback for things like, yes. And, you know, in terms of movement or, you know, I'll look at the site, I'll hear something about different nutrition and how it can affect you and all sorts of, you know, things and different parts of food. And then I'll be like, cool, I'm eating some food and then I'll be like, this is really healthy for me or whatever. But it's like at the end of the day, your body really knows and um, just learning to listen to your body and see how you feel, I think is one of the most important things you can, you know, you can do and learn to do for your health.
1: And the thing is, is that science is always changing. Like they'll say, you know, you hear something, and it's like, oh, it's all about this. <laughs> Usually, when you know a, a certain type of food suddenly comes around, right? You know, years ago, it's like kale, and that's like, so like it's all about kale. And then you know, people get the dosages wrong, right? Then they just eat in kale, All right. And that wasn't that wasn't the advice. The advice was to include some kale, not to only eat kale from now on. And it's, it's been the same. I remember years ago there was some. There was one about beetroot, how it helped to improve performance. And then suddenly it was just like, beetroot, beetroot, right? You eat as much beetroot as you can. It's, it's like, well, hang on. It's just, yeah. all of these different, you know, vegetables have lots of different benefits that potentially we've yet to discover. And, you know, and it's constantly changing. So it's like, it's, you have to be careful. You don't go, oh, okay, right. This is, this is what the science is saying. So I'm going to follow this like, methodically. Because things change as well. You feel different on different days and absolutely you, know, you're, you, have, you have different body types and my diet definitely won't work for someone else and someone else's diet you know won't work for me so it's just like it's everyone's different so yeah feeling sensation knowing like knowing knowing what works for you is always works for me
0: now, um, Roger, you often have lots of um, great little tips and tricks and um, different bits and pieces on your social media. How do people follow you and track you down and um, see what you're up to?
1: I'm mostly on Instagram, so at Roger Frampton. Instagram's where I, where I post uh, the most.
0: We'll also put your books in our show notes as well in case anyone wants to check those out too.
1: Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, the, the first one is the flexible body. It's just like basically 10 movements and 10 steps to learn them. Uh, and that's based on 10 minutes a day. And then the one that you've got is stretch. Because after that, I ended up becoming the more flexibility guy. And then everyone said, can you do a book? Which is just stretching. Seven minutes a day. Yeah, it's Some slightly different programs, uh, depending if you want to do more or not. And then that will go into more like the, uh, the four movements of the spine. The spine work, the hips, the shoulders, which I think is like the really key stuff where people get Uh, the tightest or which needs the most work especially from that repetitive sitting
0: brilliant well thanks again so
1: much for your time Roger cool thanks so much Art. thanks for having me on and it's uh, been great getting chatting to you and getting to know you a bit
0: oh one last question before you go what did you think of the podcast did you like it because if you did then please rate it and review it and share it and tell people about it tell your mum tell your dad tell some random guy down the road It really does make a big difference and it helps us to keep creating this podcast and sharing this awesome information with you for free. This show is brought to you by Raw Collective, the podcast company behind the creation of this show. You will find all updates on the Raw Collective Instagram as well as on the website rawcollective.co. Now get out of here. Go have a good day. Get out of here. Bye.